It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Merkel, uh, even uh, Vladimir Putin and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. But um, what we are very proud of now is the young generation like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, President of, Pres of uh, Argentina and so on, that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau and I know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of uh, half of this cabinet, are for our actually young global leaders of the world economy. Right. Form. That's true in Argentina as well. It's true in Argentina, and uh, it's true in France now. Mm -hmm. I mean, with the president, with a young global leader, but. All right, so that was the voice of Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, bragging about how much influence they have around the world. Uh, he could also have gone on to say that uh, we have Tulsi Gabbard, we have uh, Elise Stefanik, we have, oh, there's a whole list of people in the United States who are in government and high positions who are part of the World Economic Forum. You know, for years I've been told, uh, and you've heard it too, I've heard people whispering in my ear about some, you know, cabal, international cabal that wanted to control the world and destroy the United States. And I have to say that uh, I was a little skeptical. I never jumped on that bandwagon, but perhaps I should have. Uh, there's a new book out that talks about that what's happening to us right now, uh, the chaos that we're experiencing in this country. Uh, in every way, whether it's crime on the streets, our military, uh, the moral chaos, all of it, is not an accident. It's actually by design, uh, by central people and thinkers like Klaus Schwab and others that we will mention in a second. The name of the author of this is Kevin Freeman. He's a very good friend. He is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Game Plan. Uh, he's also one of the world's leading experts on economic warfare and financial terrorism. As a matter of fact, You've probably seen him on Blaze TV co-founding co and hosting the Economic War Room. He's also a national security consultant uh, who has established the National Conser Security Consultant Institute, and he serves as a senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy. And on and on we could go about Kevin, but um, this is his new offering. It's called According to Plan, the Elite's Secret Plan to Sabotage America. Kevin, good morning, and thanks for joining me this morning. Good morning, Sandy. Always good to be with you. All right. So um, one of the things about this book that I just want to mention right off the bat, this could be uh, 500 pages, but it isn't. This is a paperback that's user-friendly. It's accessible to the average reader. It's only a little over 200 pages long. Did you do that on purpose? Absolutely. It's designed to be a pamphlet. 
In fact, uh, it's extensively researched, and I had tremendous researchers help help me with it. But we didn't even put the footnotes in the book so it wouldn't appear too thick and be daunting to people. Uh, we put the uh, footnotes on a website, uh, according to planbook.com, so that you can go and see it's completely researched. Uh, but I wanted it to be something I could hand to my teenage daughter and have her read it and say, hey, that makes sense. I understand it. It's clear now. And that's, in fact, exactly what happened. I've hand, handed it to my daughter and my daughter's friends, and they've looked at it, read through it, and they said, this is easy to read. I understand it. It makes sense. And I wanted the book for that reason, to reach the most Americans possible. You know, the book cover actually looks like the backdrop to Joe Biden's speech a couple of weeks ago. His, you know, unity speech with the red backdrop. Uh, so uh, there's a reason why you this cover is sort of a, a reminiscent of other covers. Can you kind of tell us about that? You did this on purpose. Yes. Well, if one of the most classic covers of, of George Orwell's 1984. Uh, has coming out of the nine, uh, the you know the the oval part of the nine, a spotlight on someone trying to escape and get away. Uh, this cover has that look, but it also has the look of a. There's a fist in the background. There's the Chinese single star, so it looks like a Communist Party document with a target. The highlight on it is the Statue of Liberty with a sniper target on it. So well. according to plan, is to eliminate American liberty. Could you do us a favor? You know, um, I, you know, I'm not exaggerating, and you know this well because you cover the same things I cover every day, Kevin. We slug away at this. You know that Americans don't know much, especially our kids. But I would say anyone who graduated after the '70s has limited understanding of historical uh, and also like book reading. So George Orwell's 1984. Give us a thumbnail sketch. Why? Why is that significant? What was the? What was the gist of that? Well, we allude to two things. One is Orwell's 1984, but also in this book we allude to Animal Farm. Uh, and my kids read it in school, uh, but George Orwell was a futurist, a thinker. He was actually friendly to the socialist cause, but he saw the dangers of what was happening in the Soviet Union, and he wrote two really powerful books. One of them, uh, 1984, talked about Big Brother and how Big Brother would watch everything, there'd be cameras everywhere, and literally the state would tell people, this is how you must think. And and the classic line from it is uh, the the uh, hero of the book who, who just gets completely wiped out by the system is Winston, and Winston is told repeatedly, two plus two equals five. And he says, no, it doesn't, it equals four. If the state says it equals five, it equals five. And they go round and round until they break his spirit. It reminds me a lot of uh, a man can have babies. Oh, no, no, men can't have babies. Yes, if the state says a man can have babies, a man can have babies. Yeah. Two yeah. plus two equals five. Yeah. So and that's you must the one book. The other book, <laughs> yeah, you have to believe it. You or, must or, believe or it or there'll be great punishment. Exactly. You have to believe, for yeah. instance, that an election was not stolen in 2020 or you will go to jail. But anyway, go on and make your comparison, please. Yeah, no, Orwell also has, and, and the, this is a theme throughout the book, he talks about when the, the farmers, uh, Farmer Jones is evil and controlling and a drunk and everything else, and the farm animals rise up against him. And the farm animals kick him out, chase him down the road, and they take over. And the pigs say, we're going to make everything equal. All animals are equal. And then eventually the pigs start enriching themselves. They move into the farmer's house. All the promises of security and windmill to, to, to 
provide better energy and, and take the work off the horses and everything else, eventually the pigs just start enriching themselves, put on clothes, dance, drink, everything else, and then they come out and say, well, all animals are equal, just some animals are more equal than others. And that, of course, is a testimony to communism wherever it's tried, whether Hugo Chavez starts poor, but when he dies, he's worth billions and billions of dollars, or Castro, or, or Lenin, or Mao, all communism ends in a group of elites that take over, take control, and, and literally turn the rest of us into serfs. And that's what we're seeing happen here in the United States. That's what we've seen happen around the world where the elites are sabotaging. And the one thing standing in their way, and this is true uh, that George Soros said the one thing standing in the way, the one thing that Xi Jinping sees standing in the way is a constitution-following liberty individual liberty-minded America, and they have to destroy America so that the elites can take over. And we see two competitive forces. We see foreign forces like Xi Jinping in China, and we see the World Economic Forum, which are the globalist forces, and both of them are operating in the Biden administration today. We don't know which one would win out. We just hope the Constitution wins out and individual liberty remains. You know, I want to go back in time again, because I, I said earlier, for years— and this is probably true of you, too. I've heard people talk about this world order, the new world order. And I was a little bit of a skeptic. I started on radio in the 90s in Chicago, Kevin. And it was around that time that I got really familiar with the workings of the UN. And uh, there was the, the conference on women in the UN and in Beijing and all of that. So it kind of morphed into a lot of different things. But one of them was this whole thing about the uh, the the... the a group of people who helped start the UN. I remember this so distinctly because it shocked me so much. But in their writings that I remember reading was that they wanted to get rid of what they, their goal with the UN was to get rid of the old story. They called it that, the old story. And the old story was the story of Christ, the story of Christianity. They wanted to erase uh, national identities. Uh, they wanted to erase borders. I, I thought it was insane at the time. I thought this is crazy, and you know, and it's one thing for people to want to do that, but uh, it all—at uh, least I know—there's a vein of this that was attempted in the UN, and now we've morphed into all these other things you just alluded to. But I want to ask you this deep question: How in the world do you think? And you've done a lot of research now. Does an international effort coordinate itself? Through the decades and through the centuries. I mean, is there a document, a person, a school of thought that they all adhere to? Is there a, you know, like, do they hand the baton over from one generation to another? Or is, how does this happen, that the coordination of this ideology happens through the generations? Well, there is a coordinated aspect to it. I mean, there were the 45 goals of the Communist Party USA, which said things like get control of schools, uh, use them as a transmission belt for socialism and current communist propaganda, infiltrate the press, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures, break down cultural standards by promoting pornography, eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools, infiltrate, get control of big business, discredit the family's institution, capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. And those were first published in the 1950s in a book uh, W. Cleon Skousen wrote called The Naked Communist. And actually, I knew Dr. Skousen. My father introduced me to him, used to, used to travel, teach the Constitution with him um, throughout Oklahoma. 
So Dr. Skousen wrote this. They were published in the Congressional Record in 1963, but they all come from the same Marxian idea. It, it, it is not necessarily a coordinated effort because honestly, the, the only thing they have in common is a hatred of America. So how, how you have radical feminists, extreme uh, LGBTQ crowd, and uh, uh, Muslim radicals, they, they don't actually agree on much. Uh, when you get them in, in a room together, they really don't agree on much, but they do agree that they hate God-fearing, liberty-minded, individual liberty-minded America. They don't like the Constitution. They don't like the system of government that we have. They don't like individuals being able to think for themselves. So they're united under that one common enemy, even though they may have completely different masters that they're following. And I would put it in, in spiritual terms. It's almost like demons uh, that, that maybe have competitive goals, but they're all united to, to be anti-Christ. And that's the yeah. one thing that they're in agreement on. And I think that, I think that explains better than, than there's this one, you know, World Economic Forum in China, if they win and they defeat the United States, they're going to have to fight it out. George Soros even said it. He said Xi Jinping is a threat to the new world order. This is the same George Soros who said, that uh, the United States is the one obstacle that has to be overcome for the for the new world order, and so what he's what he's saying here is, uh, yeah, Xi Jinping is a threat, but right now he's temporarily an ally because they're both anti-America. You know, you actually partially answered my next question because Kevin, you like I, you you're a, a born again believer in Christ, uh, and we both in the in the work that we do, we cover politics, and for you, it's you focus on economics a lot. But um, as you look at this, you just answered this question, but I ask you again, do, don't you see, do, would you agree that your faith, your understanding of Scripture only enhances your understanding of what's happening in the world? And there's the music, which means you can't answer that question yet. But we'll, talk, we'll come back to that on the other side of the break. I would maintain that it, it really helps us to explain things that are really unexplainable uh, as best we can as humans. Kevin Freeman is my guest. The book is called According to plan. And by the way, you can get it on Amazon. It's the elite's secret plan to sabotage America. If you're finding it difficult to explain to friends and family and your children, like Kevin's kids, uh, about what's happening and how it could be that a lot of forces are aligned to destroy this country, and that's why all this chaos is happening, this is the book. It's called According to Plan, the elite secret plan to sabotage America. Sandy Rios in the Morning will be back with Kevin Freeman of Economic War Room in just a minute. Sandy Rios in the Morning on AFR Talk. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Billionaire philanthropist, often described as a bleeding heart liberal. George Soros was born in 1930 to a Jewish family in Budapest, Hungary. When the Nazis invaded, they hid to survive. After the war, George went to the London School of Economics. He moved to the United States and eventually started his own hedge fund. But he didn't get really famous until 1992. That's when he bet $10 billion against the British pound. The gamble made him a billion dollars in just one day. And it earned him a nickname, the man who broke the Bank of England. 
These days, George is more focused on philanthropy. He has a foundation promoting democracy around the world, and he's a big supporter of left-wing causes. He's been pushing for the legalization of pot for two decades. He's also given millions to Democrats and railed against the other side. If we reenact Bush in 2004, we endorse the Bush doctrine and we will have to live with the consequences. That's made him a sworn enemy of the right. But George is so rich, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. And that's George Soros in 82 seconds. All right, well, that's uh, CNN's version of George Soros. Uh, there were some glaring omissions, like the fact that he, is a, he and his dad uh, hid from the Nazis. Well, what they actually did was rat on their fellow Jews. They turned them into the Nazis, so that's why they survived what they survived. That's just one glaring era, error. My guest is Kevin Freeman, and the book is called According to Plan, and George Soros is just one of those uh, people who has a big plan for the United States and for the world, as a matter of fact. Kevin, why don't we just have you comment on that? And then I want to jump right into the contents of your book. <laughs> what, do you, what should we know about George Soros that CNN didn't just tell us? He was convicted of insider trading in France. He tried to fight it. He's continued to try and fight it. And, and every time they say, no, you're guilty. And, and he remains someone convicted of insider trading in France. All right. I thought also something that struck me about that report on him was that he promotes, she said, he promotes democracy around the globe, which isn't that interesting that that comports with the message right now from the left that, uh, that Trump supporters are trying to destroy democracy and poor George Soros is busy trying, trying to promote it across the globe. It's we're the ones not trying. It's, isn't it twisted? It's twisted. No, no doubt. In fact, Ben Franklin did not say, well, what kind of government did we get? A democracy, if you can keep it. He said a republic, if you can keep it. Exactly. All right. Let's just jump into the book, and we're going to cover as much as we can, Kevin. You alluded already to uh, the book by George Orwell uh, uh, that refers to the pigs. I'm sorry, the name just went right out of my head. Um, Animal Farm. Animal Farm. The pigs on the animal farm, and you, they take over the farm, and they claim they're going to help all the pigs and create equality, and they end up being elites in the closet, getting fat while the other pigs are dying, working so hard out in the yard. All right, so you say that we have pigs today, and you name them. So uh, let's talk about who those pigs are from your perspective. Well, any conversation needs to begin with, I think, the Speaker of the House, uh, Nancy Pelosi, who, according to her stock trading records, is the best stock market trading uh, investor, better than Warren Buffett, maybe the best in the world. She's just so prescient. She knows every time what to invest in, exactly how. Now, this has nothing to do with the fact that she has so-called legal inside information. I mentioned Soros with inside information. Well, Nancy Pelosi uh, knows what they're going to vote on, and she knows what bills are going to pass. And presciently, they seem to invest in industries that will benefit from government, and it's given a better trading record than Warren Buffett. So I think that's rather piggish behavior when you enter Congress and over however many decades she's been there, somehow you make so much money in the stock market that you can have these very expensive freezers filled with ice cream of all types uh, and show it off during COVID. Well, <laughs> the average American is wondering if they'll ever get to leave their home again and ever get to go back to work. And it's not just uh, the accumulation of wealth, it's privileges and behavior too. Like uh, you, the pigs in the animal farm, you know, were living the high life. Uh, there were things they didn't have to do 
uh, the hoops they didn't have to jump through while the regular pigs had to do all the work. And I think that that's, that would be the same thing. But let's talk, you have, you in your book, you talk about international pigs, sorry, uh, because that's the, the metaphor used in Animal Farm. So Soros, we've kind of talked about that. Klaus Schwab, you didn't really say much about him. Uh, he's one of the international players. What, what would you say about uh, how is, I don't know what his background is, how would he be uh, one of these pigs? Well, first off, I, I heard your clip that you played, and doesn't he sound like a Bond villain? I mean, we should not make fun of people how they sound, but but that's kind of how he sounds. Second, I want to point out on pigs, I really struggled uh, about this, Sandy. Do I call these people pigs? Because the Bible says Paul was called out and he says, hey, you're not supposed to say bad things about a ruler of your people. And Paul said, you know what? You're right. The Word of God says, do not speak ill of a ruler of your people. So we apologize to the high priest. He didn't know the man that he'd called his name was actually the high priest. So he turned and he apologized and said, I'm sorry, that, that was wrong. So I, I wrestled with that, and I prayed over it. And I really feel like the Holy Spirit moved me to realize that those Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell and Joe Biden, they're not rulers. The, according to the Constitution, they're servants. They hold an office. They're not rulers of the people. That We, the people, are the rulers. And so I felt freed up to use the metaphor from Animal Farm and call them pigs. It wasn't to try and accuse them of anything other than acting like that. those people in the story. I don't like calling people names. But Klaus Schwab, you asked about, Klaus Schwab has been, by his own admission, behind this push for a new world order. And the World Economic Forum has put out videos where they said, you know, by, in 10 years, you will own nothing and you will like it. Uh, you, you'll eat less meat and you'll eat more bugs. Uh, we're going to go to the moon and we're going to uh, go into space and we're going to produce all of these uh, body parts and things with medical science. But you're not going to own anything. And, and you're going to be okay with that. And, and we see that in the push to eliminate the individual cars. Uh, we see that in the push to uh, promote the eating of insects. And yet the pigs will stay in their elite position while the rest of us are serfs that we work for society, but society benefits the Politburo or it benefits the pigs or it benefits uh, the Nazi party in charge, always the elite dominating over the rest of us. It's a, it's a medieval surf system, and that's what they want. And Klaus Schwab has, has built that, and he's got people like Trudeau in Canada, he mentioned repeatedly, uh, that, that want to tell the Canadians, hey, if you support the truckers, we're going to debank you. If you voted for President Trump, you don't deserve to have a bank account. I mean, they literally said these things, and they're getting very bold and open about it. And Schwab is behind that. Yes, and I, you know, the I don't think people have trouble believing that because we saw it during the COVID shutdown. We saw the double standard that the the rules do, did not apply to any of them. Uh, they regular, I don't know about Klaus Schwab, but I'm talking about our our leaders here, uh, like I think of da uh, Gavin Newsom in California. You know, they they broke the rules. They they were not constrained by the things that they made us do. I saw, I remember seeing Anthony Fauci at a baseball game. No one else could go, but he was there jabbering away without a mask next to someone. Yeah, so the rules did not apply to them. And, and the same thing is they do amass this wealth. It really is jaw-dropping. 
Uh, you talk about uh, international players and domestic players. I want to ask you something, uh, Kevin, because I think you, I, I don't know what this, this is in your book, but, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned to my audience about red diaper babies, and those are uh, Michael, um, David Horowitz is the one, of course, who brought that to my attention because he was a red diaper baby. His parents were parents were communists. He was raised to be a communist activist, and he was part of the uh, part of the um, violent uh, uh, revolutionary attempt to overthrow the government in the 70s, and then came out and later became a conservative. But there are other red diaper babies like uh, Barack Obama. Do you think there's a strong strain of that in the domestic uh, pig list that you mentioned? Or I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you, is there are some that we know are out-and-out communists and were raised to be that way? Well, we, we know that the former FBI director Comey at one time was communist. We know that Brennan maybe have been communist. We see Jen Psaki in a picture we put in the book where she's wearing a, a hat with the communist star on it. So she looks Marxist um, in her appearance. So we, we know that there are a number of people who have been raised with this ideology and thought process. And and, you know, if you read that and you believe it's inevitable, then you want to be on the inside. The, the, the Communist Party, uh, like Jack Ma in, in China, although he crossed Xi Jinping and disappeared for a while, but you want to be a part of the Communist Party elite because that's, that's how you get to be the wealthy, the one percenters. The, it's not that there aren't one percenters in Marxism. It's just that they're different people. And Karl Marx was a very lazy man from what I understand. And he decided, hey, I don't want to go through all the trouble of earning wealth and entering the 1%. So let's just upend the system and then I'll be in charge. And, and Lenin came along with that and Stalin. And you walk through history and all these people uh, just really, they're, they're pigs under the animal farm tradition. They realize this is the easiest way for them to be. They don't genuinely believe in equality. They want to be at the top and they see Marxism as the inevitable uh, thing that's going to happen. So they jump on the bandwagon. All right. Now you alluded to this earlier, but let's flesh it out because your subtitle is The Elite's Secret Plan to Sabotage America. Why? Uh, we understand in general that they want to control people, they want to enrich themselves, and they don't want to abide by the same rules. But why, why is America the focus? Why is America the focus of their destruction? Because America is exceptional. And when I say exceptional, we cover this in the book, we borrow from Rush Limbaugh. America is, isn't exceptional because we Americans are better than anybody else. In fact, we are everybody else. So it's, it's absolutely impossible for us to be better than everybody else. But the system is an exception to the rule. It started with George Washington when he, he won the victory and the king of England said, oh, well, I guess he's going to be king now. And he said, no, sir, he's not. He's going back to the farm. Well, he'll be the greatest man who ever lived. Well, really what he was saying is that's an exception to the rule. Anybody who conquers is going to be the ruler. And Washington said no. And when he stepped down after two terms, he said no. And throughout history, America has been an exception in that we the people are in charge, not the people who hold the office. That's the exception. They want to change that. And, and that's what the elites say. Hey, look, we want to be permanently in power. Well, you could go and earn a lot of money. Donald Trump earned a lot of money, made a lot of money, and he could have been among the elite for, for the rest of his life. All he had to do was give the right contributions, shake the right hand, smile the right way, and he could have lived however he wanted to, including a completely debauched lifestyle, whatever he wanted to do, he could have done that. 
But he chose instead, I'm, I'm going to go against the elites and I'm going to stand up for the Constitution. Why he did it, I can't tell you. I can't get inside the man's mind. I have no idea. But whatever he did, he left extraordinarily wealth and popularity and he became hated. And he chose to do it because he says, look, they're coming after you and I'm going to stand in between. Now, I, I, I believe he had honorable intentions. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Whatever the reason is, he has taken all of the fire uh, from us. And that is unusual because the rest of the elites, they just want to rule over us. They see us as deplorable. They see us as serfs. They see us as cannon fodder in wars. They see us as people to work the property for them so that they can continue to live the elite lifestyles. That, that's what the book is about. That's what, what the elites are doing. And they see America and exceptionalism, individual liberty, the ability for you to rise up in society by making it your own way, by voting for candidates that you believe in and, and supporting them, but they're not in charge. We, the people, are in charge. That's the threat to their elite control. And, of course, a huge part of American exceptionalism was born are birthed out of the Judeo-Christian understanding of Scripture and the knowledge of God. No other country has uh, entered or chartered itself based on those principles, and that was the other exceptional thing. And that's why the and the communists are, of course, diametrically opposed, and so are the secularists. And so that's the it's the spiritual thing that goes on here too. Now we may run out of time here, but I want to start this. Um, uh, when I was in um, Vietnam a number of years ago, we went to this uh, museum. Of course, Vietnam is a communist country. And we went into this exhibit of of a, a Vietnam, the Vietnam War, and uh, on the wall, Kevin was this glowing picture and report of uh, of um, Jane Fonda and also of Ramsey Clark, who was the Secretary of State at the time during the Vietnam War, who really uh, turned against his his own government. And so Jane Fonda is famously, and Ramsey Clark also famously, traitors to our country. In your book, you have a chapter called "Traitors in Our Midst." Who are you talking about? I'm talking about anyone who opposes individual liberty, individual human dignity, the ability to worship God according to the Constitution. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you asked earlier, and we didn't get to it. You, you said, why is it that some people see it and some others don't? Well, 1 Corinthians 2.14 explains it. These things are spiritual truths, and unless you have the Spirit of God, it's really hard for you to discern the truth. That's the bottom line. Yes, I agree. But I uh, do you uh, so so you don't really na- call call out names in that chapter. You talk about a concept uh, in terms of the enemies within. Well, when we come back, let's talk about the chapter called American Radicals. And also, if there's anything we can do about this, Kevin, because I know that's what people always want to know when you write a book like this. Uh, I know since in all the interviews we've ever done, you always have a solution. And so we want to get to that, too, before we say goodbye today. The book is called, though, According to Plan. The Elite's Secret Plan to Sabotage America. My guest is Kevin Friedman. He's the host of Economic War Room on the Blaze. Uh, This is a brand new book. It just came out a few days ago. And so you'll want to get this book uh, and read it for your own benefit, but also pass it on to your friends and your children uh, and your neighbor's children. Okay? So this is the only way we're going to, well, practically speaking, turn this thing back is for people to have more knowledge and understand what's actually happening to us. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. 
Sandy Rios in the Morning on American Family Radio. Bill Gates believes the wealthiest countries should switch to eating 100% synthetic beef in order to help combat climate change. Speaking to the MIT Technology Review magazine, he said that some governments would be constrained by their wealth. I don't think the poorest 80 countries will be eating synthetic beef. I do think all rich countries should move to 100% synthetic beef. You can get used to the taste difference, and the claim is they're going to make it taste even better over time," added Mr. Gates. He noted one company, Memphis Meats, which actually makes synthetic meat at a cellular level to address this issue, but he said I don't think that technique of manufacturing synthetic beef will ever be economical. However, he added, companies such as Impossible and Beyond have a road map, a quality road map and a cost road map that makes them totally competitive. While these companies represent less than 1% of the world's meat supply, they're on their way," he added, saying he could actually see a path to addressing the issue. All right, so that's uh, Bill Gates, although that's not his voice, if only it had been. But he has great plans for us. We're going to eat synthetic beef. And I remember hearing a quote from him recently where he talked about how it doesn't taste very good, but you'll get used to it. And remember what Kevin just told us a few minutes ago. Of course, we know the World Economic Forum. Uh, you won't. You will have nothing, and you you will be happy. Oh, they have plans for us. These elites. The book is called According to Plan. They have plans for us. The elites. It's their secret plan to sabotage America. My guest is Kevin Freeman. Uh, Kevin, let's talk about the plan. We are watching it on our streets. We're watching it in our homes. Uh, talk to us about how this plan. Uh, we know it was a plan. You've done great research on this. Uh, what is it that they're trying to do? And, and you've you've actually pulled out four different areas. So let's touch on each of them, if we could. The one strength that you have is economic. You know all about economics. How are they attacking, haha, duh, our economic strength? Well, this you know, the stock market right now is down substantially from where it peaked. We have inflation that is running rampant. We're seeing a mass wealth transfer. Uh, from productive to non-productive, it's the opposite of what the Bible would teach. The Bible says, you know, give give more to the more productive people, and then have compassion. But what we're doing is, with the barrel of a gun forced on us, we're transferring, raising taxes, we're forgiving student loans for people with gender studies degrees, and making the hardworking farmer and plumber and and auto shop mechanic pay for it. Uh, we're, we're literally upending the system and taking us, dragging us to socialism. And that's how you attack American economic strength. And how do we know that this was a plan of theirs and it isn't just happening by happenstance? Well, they've announced it forever. Uh, you know, Biden campaigned on it. it. Socialism has long been pushed. It goes back to the 45 goals of the Communist Party USA. Uh, the idea is to take from the wealthy. We've um, demonized the rich so that if you're successful and made a lot of money, then then you're evil. Unless, of course, you give to the right causes like or you support the right things like Bill Gates. They don't demonize Bill Gates. But anybody else that's, that's uh, earned independently. I was with uh, Bob Unanwe of Goya Foods. Uh, recently, a Hispanic uh, businessman, brilliant guy, but he said the wrong thing about Trump, and so they demonized him and tried to do a boycott of Goya Foods. It backfired, of course, because number one, Goya Foods are really good, and, and number two, the American people didn't see what he did was evil or wrong. They saw what he did was patriotic and good. Uh, but that's the the plan: is that you demonize people, you demonize wealth, unless it's the right people. 
uh, and and you push us towards higher taxes, higher inflation, socialism. Um, we're watching it play out in the markets today. You know, um, we've always had, meaning the Americans, my dad was a, a soldier in World War II, perhaps your father was too. We've been known for our military strength, and we have an unusual military because we've been uh, warriors where we have protected people and gone around the globe and freed people. We didn't plunder or take things, and we've had military might, which has kept us in the number one position globally for decades. Uh, and now we watch, uh, I've watched, Kevin, and you have too, as prior presidents who also shared this philosophy, whether it's Jimmy Carter or uh, Bill Clinton who loathed the military, or Barack Obama who cut down, uh, refused to resupply uh, planes that were uh, losing, you know, losing parts. This has been a trickle, and every time a Republican would come in, they would build back the military. So it's been a yin and a yang. But now, what's happening from your perspective on their attack against our military strength? Well, Sandy, you need look no further uh, than the idea that you're going to put uh, these robust, um, um, very masculine men in the Marines and make them be sensitive to transgender issues, and therefore uh, some of them will have to wear women's clothing as a sensitivity training or uh, or promote transgender issues in the military. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that the best military officers said that would hurt morale, and you can't, you know, that's why we had the don't ask, don't tell policy. Now it's celebrated, and it's forced celebrated. So the Marines have the rainbow flags on the helmets, on the bullets, and things like that. Well, what does that do? That takes some of your most macho men that, that uh, protect our country and says, hey, I don't want to be part of this. And so there's that attack. Then there's the cutting back of the funding of actual weapon systems that make sense and redirecting it for political purposes. Or you're funding a lot of paper-pushing bureaucrats in the Pentagon rather than funding people that will be actual warfighters. And then you constrain them with the rules of engagement. You know, and, and one thing from the, that, that blends both the economic and the military is you remove our ability to produce domestic energy because our military depends on solid energy. Wars are lost. World War II was lost at the Battle of the Bulge because the Germans ran out of, of oil for the tanks. They ran out of petroleum. So the idea is that you attack the economy and the military in one fell swoop. Every at every point you then you weaponize the military against Americans. And I'll tell you, Sandy, this really hurts me because my background is Cherokee. And when I heard President Biden said, Hey, you got an AR-15, I've got an F-15. And then he, he threatens the American people there. It sounds an awful lot to me like the first Democrat, Andrew Jackson, saying to the Cherokee people of North Carolina or Georgia or Tennessee, where my family came from, and said, You got bows and arrows? Well, we've got cannons and rifles. We're going to force you out of here and you're going to move west. Get out of here. You don't belong here. Or when the New York governor said the same thing, you know, if you're a Republican, get out of my state. It's all threatening the American people with the military, what's left of the military. Uh, we can't threaten our enemies, but we can absolutely threaten the American people. And that's how you destroy a military. I have very strong views about uh, the military leadership, and I'm sure you do too. Um, I uh, So... For reasons that we could explain, I think of Mark Milley, I think of General Mad Dog Mattis that President Trump so pumped up, and then it came back to bite him. Uh, they've done some things that have really harmed. I think of the, you know, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Of course, Mattis is gone, but before that, he did a lot of things to undermine President Trump. My question is this: When you were researching, did you guys find any 
uh, connections to the national security, meaning military now, that apparatus to 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 Marxism, to leftism, uh, or is this just a you know a political move on their part from your perspective? Oh well, there's no question that the Marxist theories are being taught, uh, whether critical race theory or whatever that that come from Marxist schools. Uh, are being taught at West Point and other parts of the military. That wasn't true 15, 20 years ago. It wasn't true when I was a, an advisor to the Pentagon on economic warfare, but it is true today. And if you oppose that, uh, there, are, there are known Marxists attending West Point, and, and you know, they're almost proudly a part of the diversity of West Point. So yes, Marxist theory is, is running throughout our military, and the purge of officers that took place under Obama uh, was clear, under Clinton as well, where, where they removed officers that might have been loyal to the Constitution and, and replaced them with officers who appear loyal to an ideology that's not the Constitution. You know, now that I ask you that question, I'm remembering that Mark Milley, General Mark Milley, was, he, he made some long statements about critical race theory and uh, just um, actually pretty appalling for a general. Generals don't usually talk about that stuff. So we have every reason to suspect that there's something rotten in Denmark, shall we say. Uh, but let's talk about then the moral issues, Kevin. Explain to our my listeners why this isn't just the natural degradation of moral values, why there was actually some plan to break that down. Can you can you describe that for us? Well, you can look no further here than the teachers associations and the fact that they're supportive of um, things that 20, 30, 40 years ago would have been considered abhorrent and unacceptable. You see these teachers that are, you know, and a lot of this was exposed during uh, COVID when people saw the textbooks because the students had to stay home or they watched a Zoom call uh, class setting and they saw that these things were being taught. It's now coming out that there's this mass push to transgenderism. So that, you know, in Austin, I think there was a class of, of third or fifth graders and three quarters of the class came out as being uh, LGBTQ+. Because it was what was celebrated, and they're very influential at that age. And so in Florida, of course, uh, Governor DeSantis says, hey, look, don't sexualize children. We're not going to do that. And and then you see the big corporations opposing it. So is it a plan? Yeah, absolutely it's a plan. And it's being perpetrated with a common goal. The plan is, is that we want to infiltrate, whether by Disney putting in the kiss in Buzz Lightyear or at the school system or in corporations. We want to sexualize young people and open them up to LGBTQ uh, thinking. And it's it's been highly effective. This is part of what, again, the Communist Party USA said in their 45 goals. They had one of them there very specifically, break down cultural standards of morality and promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. They also said another one to support um, promiscuity and easy divorce. They also said another one to support the gay agenda. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking way, way, well, way back in our history, Actually, not that way back, but the the weather underground of the 80s and 70s, uh, who were so wicked and tried to foster revolution in this country. That's Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn and others. Uh, they used to practice smash monogamy, which means they would not allow their members to have sex with anyone alone. They had to always have it together in a group. And the idea was to break down the you know break down natural marriage. 
uh, which was, again, as you said, was one of the communist codes, was to strip people of anything that gives them any kind of special identity, make them only groupthink, only groupthink, and they do it through sexuality as well. And then, of course, there are cultural things. I mentioned earlier that the early founders or people that were trying to establish uh, an international body like the UN wanted to break down uh, na uh, national uh, customs and national language even. Uh, talk about that, that uh, our cultural strength. They're tr explain to us, in our day, right now in America, how are they doing that? Well, the, the most powerful way they're doing it, it used to be from, from many into one, e pluribus unum. Uh, what we had was a melting pot. Now what we have is a division. It's this group against that group, this race against that race. Uh, and and the most blatant example of it was that fiery uh, speech in front of Independence Hall where 74 million uh, Americans who voted for uh, President Trump, the largest number voting for a sitting president in history, uh, were called uh, MAGA Republicans, and they had taken over the Republican Party. They're a threat to democracy. They're semi-fascist. You know, the division... Uh, house divided against itself will not stand, Abraham Lincoln said, and we're seeing that division happening right now, and we're seeing what is good called evil and what is evil called good, and then you have to accept it, because if you don't conform to the orthodoxy, then you will be shamed, you will be thrown off social media. You know, masks work. They always work. Masks work. Schools have to be closed. Uh, vaccines are effective. All of these things that we were told, and if you disagreed with them, then you were thrown off uh, social media and ostracized. Even though the science has later come to disprove every one of those narratives, uh, it's still okay because two plus two equals five. That's what the government says, and therefore you believe it. All right, so in the few minutes that we have left, Kevin, you're always so good with solutions. You always have been. All these years I've interviewed you, we have 60 seconds here. Uh, is there a solution? What can people listening do? Uh, the book, by the way, is called According to Plan. What can people do? Well, we outlined three solutions in there. They're very simple. One of them is take back Washington. And when we do, we have to do it at the midterms. We have to win. And when we take back Washington, we recommend the Serve the People Act to make, make congressmen and women public servants again and not rulers. The, the second thing that we suggest is people weaponize their money. And we train them how to do this in the Economic War Room. You can learn more at economicwarroom.com. Get a financial advisor who will help you promote things you believe in and invest in things you believe in instead of investing in things to destroy your values. And the third thing is rally the nation. Wear a flag pin, fly a flag, show that you love America. Don't give up on America. Stand up and say, I believe I in it. the Constitution. I believe in I America. I love it. All right. The book is called According to Plan. Kevin Freeman, my guest. Thank you, Kevin.